Thank you for listening to this message from the Altar Fellowship. Schedule things wisely and we try to uh, take the burden off of people because we don't want to afflict people. We don't want to spread people too thin. I don't want to manipulate people into doing something that uh, is going to be a, a curse to them and, and not a blessing. Uh, but I, I want you to understand if, if you have it in your heart to serve the Lord with gladness and you're looking for a place to do that, Pastor Christine would be glad to open that door for you. And, uh, uh, and, and I, th- I think it would be not only a blessing to the life of our children, I think it would be a blessing to your life. I've preached a lot of sermons on a lot of stages uh, in a, in, to a lot of crowds bigger than this one. I don't mean that as an insult to you. Uh, you know, but the times, in the times I've, I've stood on a stage in front of tens of thousands of people in some faraway country, I'd trade all of them for the messages that I preach now at the foot of my two oldest sons' beds every night. Uh, I tuck them into bed, and then they say, will you tell us a story? And every night, I tell them some random story from when I was a kid, and and I'll tell them about how I got these scars by my eye, or I'll tell them about the time I got bit by a donkey. It's a true story. I, I'll, you know, sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll tell them about when my dad died. I'll tell them about how I, uh, the night that I decided to give my life fully to Jesus. Um, I'll tell them about uh, how me and their mom met. I'll tell them about our wedding and our honeymoon. Uh, what it was like when we found out that we were pregnant with each of them. And just these little stories, every one of them comes back to the love of God. Every one of them comes back to the gospel. And those are the most important messages that I will ever preach to my little boys because that is how my legacy will shape the future. And so I, I would invite you, we're talking about, we're talking to leaders. Let me talk to some leaders and say, uh, the greatest leaders are the greatest servants. The greatest leaders are the greatest servants. Uh, the ones who, I don't, y'all, y'all may not notice this. On Sunday mornings, uh, when I get here, uh, I park in the very furthest parking spot possible from our church. And I don't do that because um, there aren't any other parking spots. There's plenty of other spots I could park in. Um, I do it because it's critical that I remember that in this community, I am the least important. That my call is actually to come under every other person in this community and to lift you higher, to serve you, to wash your feet, to champion the call of God on your life. And that means lowering myself, getting myself out of the spotlight and off of the throne to, to help lift, to help lift you into the place that God has called you. This is what kingdom leaders do. And if you're in this room, it's because you're called to be a kingdom leader. And if you want to know where you can start to lower yourself, it is to serve our children. And it's, I mean, it means sometimes wiping boogers and, you know, cleaning up half chewed up graham crackers that fell on the floor. And it's glorious, every little bit of it. It really is. And it glorifies the Lord. And so I'd ask you to do it and not only to do it, but to do it with gladness. Amen. Come on. Uh, that's what I see in, uh, I don't know if she's here, in, in Cheryl. She's not here, is she? And uh, uh, Dakota's mom in a, uh, the way that she cleans this building with gladness. She actually acts like she likes it. She's almost got me convinced that she does. She loves it. It's that, what a weirdo. But she, uh, she really serves the Lord with gladness in this room by herself or, or with Dakota. 
and um, uh, giving her life, giving her time, giving her sweat, her energy uh, to, to see this place. You know, I see uh, Jessica Bailey doing the same thing. I see Kashif um, and Anna, you know, they snuck in and set up the kids' room uh, without Christine knowing it a few weeks ago. It's those sorts of things, helping Pastor Zach move a chicken coop. You know, when we were planning to have the movie night out at my house, Melissa came over and helped weed eat some uh, a whole bunch of grass that I didn't have the time to get to so that I wouldn't have to uh, do it and, and could spend my time on other things. And, and it's, it's those sorts of things that, to me, minister the most. It's those sorts of things that I think matter most to the Lord. Is this, I know this isn't like a real sexy message, but it's, this is real. This is real kingdom living, okay? Uh, make, a joy, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Did you know that you've been called not just to church, but, but into his presence? You've been called to come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. And that is uh, the, the personal, the proper name of, of Yahweh. Know that Yahweh, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are the product of his creativity, his intention, his divine purposes. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Listen to this. And then David begins to give us some strategy for how to come into the presence of the Lord. He says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Now, for years, I, th- I thought that this meant that, uh, that I, should, I should come into the presence of the Lord and I should be happy that I'm allowed to come into the presence of the Lord. And certainly I think that's true. But I think there's also some, some divine strategy in this as well. And that is that we are actually able to, to pass through his gates if we bring thanksgiving when we come. But we are actually given legal permission to come into his courts if we carry praise with us as we come. That I think there's, there's actually a bit of strategy to this. That praise is the key that unlocks the presence of the Lord in our life. Hear that again. Praise is the key that unlocks the presence of the Lord in our life. In fact, this is why um, in the Lord's Prayer in in Matthew uh, 6 that Jesus says, uh, when you pray, you should pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He starts with worship. He starts with praise, with the acknowledgement of the divinity, the the majesty, the the supreme glory of Yahweh. And, and, uh, And so even... Even Yeshua, when he teaches on prayer, he teaches that prayer begins with worship, that right prayer, healthy prayer, good prayer begins with worship. And so I I think that this is such a critical thing. And I I think especially as we're talking about jubilation, as we're talking about jubilee, we've got to ask ourselves, what is the actual authentic response to the, the delivering grace of Yahweh in our life? Like, because I, I think that, that, that man, I'm, I, I don't know about you, but I'm just tired of pretending like, you know, closing your eyes and raising one hand in church is a, a, a sufficient response. I mean, I've watched a lot of soccer in my life, and I've never seen a guy score a goal and then hit this. Hmm. Yes, thank you. Right. That's my favorite thing about soccer. Somebody scores a goal and the whole world stops. The clock is still running and they're doing flips and taking their shirt off and climbing into the bleachers and forming human pyramids and 
playing dice on the sidelines. I don't know what it, it, it just, everything goes absolutely bananas, right? It's such an amazing, beautiful moment uh, that I don't even, I don't even have a team. If anybody scores, I'm fired up about it because it's just so much fun to see these guys absolutely lose their minds. And yet, and yet we have been rescued from the jaws of hell itself. And the best we can give God is a golf clap on Sunday mornings. Come on, I, th- I, think, I think we've got to explore the reality of jubilation because if we, if we are engaging where Yahweh has called us as a community to become a people of prayer, it starts in the place of worship. It starts in the place of being able to freely rejoice in the victory he's given us. It starts in, in, in our ability, our capacity to celebrate the delivering hand of God on our life like he really has delivered us from hell because he really has delivered us from hell. It is good news, friends. It's good news. Yeah, get out. <laughs> Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Bless his name. Bless his name. With every action, bless his name. Like, I want you to think about this the way that I, I think about this. That the, the old timers used to tell us that all you really have is your name. And uh, somebody, you know, people, people would say that it's critical that you have a good name. And, um, and so you have to be a person of honor. If you're going to start a business, if you're going to start a church, it's important that you carry yourself with integrity and humility because at the end of the day, if you have a bad name, you can't undo that. And, uh, and, and so we have to understand that as kingdom people, as Christian people, everything we do actually reflects onto the name of God in our city, in our family, in our community, in our nation. This is why when a Christian leader falls, it makes headlines all over the secular news media. They love it. Because this is an opportunity to curse the name of the God that man claims to serve. And this is why it's so critical that we be people that carry ourselves with unwavering love and compassion and tenderness. Uh, a couple months ago, I was in uh, Home Depot. I was buying some bunch of wood for a project. I, was, I think it was cinder blocks I was going to lay as a foundation for our chicken coop at my house. And uh, I'm buying all these cinder blocks, and I, I am talking to the lady, and it's nothing unusual. I don't pray or prophesy into this lady's life. I didn't get some kind of crazy word. I just said, how are you doing today? And we just had a chat. And, um, and uh, I, I pay her, and, and I go to walk out, and I'm pushing this big pallet of cinder blocks out and she runs out of the door and she stops me and she says, hey, I just have to tell you, you are the kindest person I have ever met while working here. She said, I've worked here for three years and I've never met anybody that carried themselves with as much love as you. And, um, and I, I wish you could understand just how normal the conversation was. It, sometimes the spirit of God will, will lead me in a direction and I'll try to minister to somebody's life. This was a totally normal cash register transaction. And in that totally normal cash register transaction, I had the opportunity to either bless the name of the Lord or 
to diminish the name of the Lord in the eyes of this woman. And she came out and she said, uh, you know, what she said. And, and I said, uh, it's just Jesus. It's just, it's Christ in me. Uh, and, uh, and I was able to, to give glory. I mean, this is what Jesus said, that men would see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. So my, my hope was that she would glorify the Lord. She was a believer, and I think she recognized Christ in me. And that's a great thing. And I, I don't say that to try to pump myself up, but to, but to say that, that any normal uh, interaction, any normal everyday interaction can, can be a blessing to the name of the Lord. He can be glorified. He can be magnified. He can be exalted in the eyes and the minds of the people that we interact with by the way that we interact with them. We have to, this, is, this should be so convicting for us. How many times do we interact with people and we never really see them? How many times do we go through a cash register and we you know, do our thing and we bag our stuff and we throw it back in the cart and we never even make eye contact with the person? We don't know their name. We don't see, their, their, we don't take the time to look into their eyes, to see their soul, and even maybe even internally to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you say about this person? Something as simple as taking two seconds to look into their eyes and to turn your ear to the Lord and say, what are you saying about this person? Could be the difference of eternity for them. And so we, we have to understand that we as kingdom people have the capacity to actually bless the name of the Lord, to bless the reputation of the Lord. To, to bless the way that the Lord is seen and known and understood by the people that we come into contact with. Be thankful to him and bless his name. You want to know why? Verse 5 explains it all. Why? For Yahweh is good. He's good. I, I keep trying to find a better word than that, and I just can't. Yahweh is good. I've said it before. I'll probably say it again. One of my favorite descriptions of Yahweh is, is through the allegory from C.S. Lewis's Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. When Mr. Tumnus explains to Lucy uh, about Aslan, he's not a tame lion, but he is good. And I think we were taught that, that God being good meant that God is passive and indifferent and compliant and full of compromise and uh, and, and apathy, and, and that's not the case at all. God's goodness is that he's passionately and actively invested in your well-being. And, uh, and so all of this, why should we make a joyful shout to the Lord? Why should we serve the Lord with gladness? Why should we come before his presence with singing? Why should we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise? Why should we be thankful? Why should we bless his name? Because he's good. Because he's good. Because the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. What was true about him when David wrote this 800 years before Christ was born is still true today. He is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. The same God that was good and delivered David is the God that raised Christ from the dead. He's the God that empowered the apostles to turn the world on its head. And he's the God that is knocking on the door of your heart tonight. He is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. And, and this is where a vibrant life of prayer starts in the place of astonished 
awestruck wonder that pulls from us reckless, wild worship for the God that is worthy of it all. He's worthy of your shout. He's worthy of your dance. He is. He's worthy of you running up and down this center aisle, jumping off the back of your pew if you need to. He's, he's worthy of you acting like you just scored the winning goal in stoppage time of the World Cup because he's, he's even better than that. Amen? He's even better than that. End of sermon. I'll tell you, that's the hardest part of being a preacher is figuring out how to end it. Uh, it, It's over. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to this service from the Altar Fellowship. We pray that you were impacted powerfully by this message. If you have been personally affected by our ministry and you would like to partner with the Altar as we work to establish the Kingdom of Heaven, please visit our website at www.thealtar.org for more information.